Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1 through 3. Get your Bibles out. Get your tablets out. Come on, I want you to join me with me, and let's have a journey. I've been having fun uh, studying these characters. Now, I've never really done this. In all my years of preaching the gospel, I've never done a series on biblical characters. And so what I mean by that, I started a series called uh, Bringing Back the, the, uh, the Biblical Revivalists and, and uh, Reformers. And I am so enjoying uh, allowing the Holy Spirit taking me on a journey. And listen to this. This is key for you guys to understand. So follow with me. Taking the strengths and even sometimes the mistakes of biblical characters and applying the principles to modern day application. All right? So in other words, it's not just something that uh, we're going to read a story about individuals. Two weeks ago, we talked about Gideon, and, and we, we saw the principles of going back to your home, right, and taking, take, put your house in order like the, the angel of the Lord says, go back to your house and clean out the idols in your house, right? So I'm gonna, uh, this is a foreshadow of what's going to happen. And so the, a couple of weeks before, we talked about Ruth, how Ruth is a type and shadow of the bride of Christ, and Boaz is a type of shadow of the bridegroom God, Jesus, and, and the dynamics. How many, how many enjoying that? How many could see prophetic principles from biblical characters to today? Watch this. So I call this, what, what we're doing, I call this prophetic preaching. Not pathetic preaching. Prophetic preaching. Because prophetic preaching, what it does is it takes verses from Scripture and, and not exaggerates them, but gets that same application prophetically and fast-forwards it to your life today. Come on. That's what we want to do. All right? So Second Chronicles, I'm going to talk about one of the most famous guys, but many of you only think that this is for a youth sermon because it's, well, if you've been around church for a long time, you will see that it's, it's pre- predominantly looked for youth ministries, but it's not. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your life. We thank you for the ears that will hear the word of the Lord with excitement and anticipation today. I thank you, Lord. I give the congregation permission to be excited, to say amen, and opening their hearts for revelation and truth in Jesus' name. And everyone said, we're going to talk about Josiah today. We're going to talk about Josiah. Everybody say Josiah. Now, this is prophetic because I really feel that we're going to grab three or four principles that will apply to what I desire and God desires for modern-day Josiahs to be raised up at RCC, okay? Are you ready? Second Chronicles 34, verse 1 through 3. Look at this. I'm going to, I'm going to, most of the, most, I have a lot of scripture today, uh, if you don't mind, so let's just, we're going to go through it. Some of it is going to be on the screen as I call them out, uh, but you don't have to turn to all of them. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Goodness gracious. I could just stop right there and just say, what? Imagine a, the king of an entire nation being eight years old. What would they ask for? I want, a, yeah, I want the Nintendo Switch, I want the Xbox, I want it all, and I want all the pizzas for free for all my staff, <laughs> all my eight-year-old staff. He, became, he was king, now watch, when he was eight years old, oh man, I, I feel a prophetic preach going on here, look, look. and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and he, li, li, listen to this, he did 
did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. Now, I want you to see this because I'm going to highlight this particular verse, uh, this particular sentence for a good part of this morning. Are you ready for this? And listen listen to this. And he walked in the ways of his father David. Watch this. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. How many know he's not, God is not talking about physical direction GPS there? He's not talking about he didn't turn right with his camel or turn left with his camel or with his walking. He's talking about his walk with the Lord. Now, how how proficient is someone's walk with the Lord that the Holy Spirit sees that walk so much that highlights in Holy Scripture that that individual did not ever turn right or left in his walk with God? Wow. So so listen, uh, look into the details of Scripture where the Holy Spirit highlights this about Josiah. He did what was right in the Lord, in the Lord watch this, and, and he did not turn to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, that would make him what? 16 years old, good, good guys. While he was still young, oh, don't let me preach before it's time. He began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images. This is a young adult bringing revival to the nation. Well, you're not hearing me. The wooden images, the carved images, and the, and the molded images. I want to highlight this morning, look at me. I want to highlight this morning a couple of phrases prophetically from Josiah that I am contending for our community at RCC to walk in. The first thing I want to I share is the phrase, he did not turn to the right or to the left. Say that with me. He did not turn to the right or to the left. Now, why, what I'm going to harp on prophetically in the first point is this. There's not going to be any slides, so it's just good old-fashioned preaching. You just got to listen, all right? Is this. Not turning to the left or to the right is prophetically and even actually saying that Josiah refused to compromise or give in to compromise in a culture that had forgotten about God. You have to understand that that terminology, not going to the left or to the right, is talking about consistency in his walk with God, not being perfect, there's a difference, but consistently of not continually veering off into some other thing and then coming back, veering off into some other reality with other than God and then coming back, then repenting five million times. The Bible says that Josiah did not turn to the left or to the right. In other words, he he refused to give in or watch be infused by the culture of the day, even though there was a godless culture. You have to understand, Josiah comes on the scene, uh, and the book of, of Chronicles, especially Second Chronicles, uh, is written basically after the Babylonians invaded Israel for over 70 years. And so historically, it's taking place after, right after, the culture of Babylon invaded Israel. Watch this. This is crazy. Imagine you waking up, and the America that you live in now is not like the America of our forefathers. Oh, wait. It's happening already. Wait. Maybe that was not a... Maybe that was not a a good example because that's already happening. 
But what I'm saying is the, the, uh, the America now is not like the America that George Washington had founded when, when he signed the Constitution and he talked about God. That is not it. But how about even more so when a foreign country comes to America and institutes their own customs, their own paganistic ways, their own culture, which makes the nation that used to know God totally godless. Now, how, now, now how would you feel if you raise your kids in let's say 70 years of captivity, and you're in year 23, all your kids ever know was the Babylonian culture. All, they, don't, they don't know the whole history. They read about it, but they don't know the history of it. And so imagine waking up and living, watch this, oh, glory to God, in a culture which actually breeds compromise, which actually encourages compromise. And yet Josiah, because he was, because of certain principles I'm going to highlight, did not compromise physically without it. Think about how easy it would have been for Josiah just to go with the flow, just to compromise a little bit in what he watched. And, and think how easy. Listen, it's, it's actually, it's actually uh, in, in a sense, it's actually harder in Josiah's day than it is here now. You say, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. Because we have so many tools in our, we had podcasts, we have studied material. It is easy to get things of the Word of God. Imagine only hearing about God and you're invading, and watch this, all around you there's a culture that screams there is no God. Yet Josiah didn't waver with compromise. I think what happens with a lot of Christians is that, that we waver in compromise because when things happen that appease us or when we get hurt or when we get angry, we begin to compromise our walk with God. And that is a decision that only you, you and I can make. God doesn't make that for you. Watch this. So an untrue, a true encounter and a true revelation of, of the Lord Jesus Christ Will not allow, listen to this, you're going to shout. If not, I'll shout for you. <laughs> Will not allow the culture of the day to influence the believer. The spiritual Josiahs do not allow the culture of the day to influence the believer just because it's relevant. And I'm concerned with many millennials, uh, in the, the millennial generation that we become, even the millennial church, I'm concerned with some of the, the, the modern-day church watches that is more concerned about being relevant so they can reach their peers that they have become irrelevant to the kingdom of God. There's a danger that is happening that when we seek to become relevant to the culture, we become irrelevant to the kingdom of God. Now, being irrelevant to the kingdom of God is not, uh, is not being rude. A lot of times, like, think, we think that being relevant is bad. No, being relevant is not bad, but unfortunately, a lot of times being relevant is at a cost. And we no longer speak in tongues in church because it's not relevant. We no longer pray for the sick on Sunday morning or cast out demonic powers that are trying to influence because it's not relevant anymore. And people will leave. It's not, the, it's not the friendly way of doing things. And even in churches, we've stopped preaching the word of God because it's not reaching the relevance of our, our community. But you know what? In, in the attempt to be relevant to the culture, we've stopped being relevant to the kingdom. We no longer lay hands. Listen, we don't even, uh, in this church we do, and I'm not knocking in church, I'm just giving you a point. We no longer have altar calls. 
We no longer pray for it. We no, we no longer let the Holy Spirit flow and say, hey, what are you saying, Lord, instead of my service order? What, what are you saying? Okay, you can, you, you can move in and you can bring healing into that area. I'll, I'll let you. See, not turning to the right or to the left is talking about not compromising even the, in the relevancy of trying to reach people. I have news for you. Oh, I'm going to run around the church in just a second. Jesus didn't become like the world to reach the world. Wait, wait, wait. You, you, you didn't hear that. You didn't hear that. Jesus was the most beautiful man that ever lived, the most holy man that ever lived, yet people were attracted to him. He didn't have to have the lights. He didn't have to have the fog machine. Come on. He, he, he didn't have to have all this stuff. He just says, repent for the kingdom of God at hand. Man, there's something about that guy. I want, I, I want that. But yet, if you do that in America, look at how judgmental he is. Why are you, why are you, why are you preaching like that? Why are you, that's not relevant, brother. No, 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 no. Relevance is still the kingdom of God. Relevance is still the Bible. You want to be relevant to the kingdom? I, I, some, I'm just going to preach for a second. If you want to be relevant to the kingdom, sometimes you have to be irrelevant to the modern-day culture. It should, listen, listen, you have to, you have to see this. There's a difference between a, a thermometer and a thermostat. Because a lot of Christians have become thermometers when we're called to be thermostats. See, because a thermometer fluctuates up and down at the condition of the environment and the culture. Whatever the culture says, the thermometer says. Whatever the weather is, the, 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 the thermometer is. But the thermostat sets it up and everything around the radius of a thermostat has to adjust to the thermostat. If the thermostat said, I'm going to be 65, this whole room is going to be 65. Whether you like it or not, it's like, <laughs> we've become thermometers when God is saying, you're the thermostat of, my God, of, the, of the kingdom of God. And you have the culture of the kingdom in you. We've lost that in American churches. Josiah realized that he did not allow the culture of his day to make him turn left or right. He stayed the course. You know why it's so easy? I have like five shouting sessions already. Do you know why? You know why it's so easy for modern day Christians to be spiritual Josiahs of this day? Not because we want to pick a fight and win, even though we win in the, in the spirit. It's because you were never designed in the first place to fit in. You were never designed in the first place. You were, we're actually called to stick out like a sore thumb. Again, sticking out like a sore thumb does not mean being rude for the sake of sticking out. We were called. We were never designed. That's, listen, actually, it's abnormal for us to try to, to, to blend in and no one knows a difference. You know why? Because part of DNA, part of identity, watch this. Part of your identity is not only knowing who you are in Christ. Oh, I'm going to shout really loud on this one is knowing where you come from also. We, we've been people that we've been, we, we've been a people that have been taught that we were waiting for heaven to come instead of acting like we came from heaven. Watch, I'm going to prove. You, you, you know, the, the Bible says abstain lust. And he says, here, I'm going to give you the fuel to abstain lust. As sojourners and strangers abstain. So, look at this. It's easy to stick out like a short thumb because you know that this is not your home. 
Your citizenship is not from here. When you listen, when I when I when I I'm going to go to Dominican Republic with with Harvest in a couple months, and we're going to I'm going to preach to uh, like hundreds of pastors of Dominican Republic that, that the Lord has opened the door for. When I go to Dominican Republic, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, what is going on here? I have to get a visa here. I got to learn the language here. Although you know I know Spanish, you know. Whatever, but, but, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, I'm just re- really nervous. You know why? Because in my mind, I'm just passing through. In, in my mind, I don't, I don't have time to get involved in the culture. Come on, somebody, because I know I'm just visiting. And the Bible says that you are just visiting this earth. And if you know that reality, you will not compromise to the left or the right. Watch this. Watch this. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm getting excited by myself. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 11. Are you getting something? Look at this. Look at what 1 Peter 2 verse 11 said. Beloved, I beg you as what? You don't even know how to pronounce that word. You're like, shh, shh, Some of you never heard that word. Some of the young people are like, what is that? I beg you, listen, listen, Kevin, let's check this out. This is identity, bro. Watch this. He says, I beg you as sojourners. In other words, this is your identity. As sojourners and pilgrims. Notice what he didn't say. Notice he didn't say, because you're filled with the Spirit, because you speak in tongues a lot, because you cast out a lot. He goes, no, no, no. Because you know where you're from and pilgrims, abstain. You, you abstain from fleshly lusts, which lusts, which war against the soul. He says, I beg you to start thinking like a stranger. Because you're not really part of this world. All the things that you're desiring are part of this world. And that's not you, because you come from another citizenship. Your citizenship is in heaven. We're seated in heavenly places for God. So the appetite shouldn't appetize you because it's not your diet. Okay, now I'm going to get, now I'm going to let it be, the teacher in me is going to come out, okay? So I did a study of the word sojourner. I don't even know if I'm saying it. Sojourner. Sojourner? Sojourner? Journer? Okay. (laughs) Watch this. Look at me. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. The the Greek word for sojourner is a stranger. Listen. A stranger, a foreigner. Look at this. I'm going to, I'm going to, oh. One who lives in a place without citizenship there because they are residents and citizens in another place. That's what sojourner means. Sojourner means one that is not a citizen in that current place because they're citizens in another place. My goodness. Someone who is just passing through because their citizenship is in heaven. And then he says sojourners and pilgrims. Anybody know what a pilgrim is? A pilgrim is one who journeys in foreign land. He doesn't make his residence there. Do you realize that that's the problem of why many Christians are veering to the left and to the right and not becoming spiritual desires? Because we're treating the worldly culture as our home when this has never been our home. Everyone's looking for the alien and you're the alien. (laughs) Everyone's looking at, you know, you, okay. It's not in my notes, but I'm going to say this. Do you know that the Bible says you're, you're a holy generation, a peculiar people? Have you ever looked at the word peculiar? Look it up. Strange. I know that, that, that some wacky people will give that as an excuse to just be wacky. Listen, I'm not saying strange and not be in the character of Jesus. What he's saying strange is not like, hey, how you doing, Jesus? Some, some weird weirdo. 
No, what he's saying is, is that you look strange because you don't desire the appetite because you're not here. Do you realize this is all about, so identity is not only knowing who you are, it's knowing where you come from, where you live right now. The Spirit of God lives in you. That means, you, I have news for you. When you became born again, when you became born again, you changed locations of where you live. You change your residence, not just change your nature. He didn't only change your nature, he changed your address. Come on. This is why Josiah was successful, because we were never meant to fit in. We were never meant to blend in with the culture. We took our new nature with us when we got born again. Say amen. Say amen. And this is the main thing that I want to share, the first point. When he did not turn left or to the right, it's talking about not compromising even in our walk with God, not because we're fighting. See, when preachers preach don't compromise, it's usually from an angle of try harder. Right? Don't do this. Don't do that. I'm preaching from an angle of who you are in Christ and your residency, so it shouldn't be hard. If you, Paul the Apostle says, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts. So think about what he's saying. He's saying it's easy because you never were meant to eat that stuff in the first place because your residence is not here. The second thing, so say compromise. So that's what Josiah did. He said in a godless culture, he did not compromise. I'm wondering if in America, where there's a lot of godly, uh, ungodliness, if we could be like Josiah, not veering to the left and to the right, or do we give in to everything? The Spirit of God wants to make us spiritual Josiahs that we are uncompromising in our walk with God. Listen, listen, listen. Even during the difficult times, and let me tell you, I'm not perfect, but let me tell you, in my imperfection, I, there's one thing I know about myself. I will never purposely want to go back to the world. Will those were those things tempt me? Yes. It, but we got to get to a place in our body of Christ where we know who we are so much that we stop going from our feelings to dictate obedience. Can I hear an amen? The, the second thing that that phrase talks about, come on. The second thing that that phrase talks about, he did not veer to the, the right or to the left. The second thing it talks about is, watch this, this is going to be real good, is consistency. In other words, in other words, not only starting off right, but ending right. Come on, PK. We've got, that, that terminology, he did not veer to the left or to the right, means that all the way to the end of his life, he did, he continually walked with God. And watch this, he did not just start good, he ended good. There's a lot of Christians today that start off very zealous and they start off very emotional and they start off very fiery. But at the end of their life, it's a different reality than when they first started. God does not desire you to be a hot flash and a, heart, a fast sparkle, and then at the end of your life, when all the tragedies happen in your life, the death, the, the financial ruin, the disappointments, that you now reject God. We have so many Christians that start off good but end up wrong. What God wants in Josiah and what God wants you, what he was highlighting is that Josiah started off good, watch this, and ended good. Does it mean he didn't have problems? Listen, I'm going I'm to get emotional. I, hopefully not. But there's just one scripture that I always get emotional in. Paul the Apostle, Paul the Apostle prophetically said something at the end of his life that prophetically parallels Josiah when he says he did not walk in the left, he did not veer to the left or to the right. How many want that? How many want to start good and end good? 
I know people, listen to me, I know people that are close to me. I know them. I know them. I have conversations with them that for years they would quote scripture and now they're older. They're older and they don't even believe in God anymore. I know them. I talk to, I, I physically talk to them. Because tragedy happened, because health issues happened in their life or, or whatever or financial ruin happened in their life or they lost their job or they lost something, they've blamed God for everything, and they stopped walking with God. They started off good, but then they veered. Paul the Apostle, look at that scripture that I gave. In 2 Timothy, this, I get choked up every time I read this in my private time, because I pray this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul is at the end of his life about to be martyred. And look what he says. I mean, most people will be like, okay, maybe I could get out of this by not being so radical, not being obedient. If I just deny the Lord and then just ask for forgiveness later, I won't get my head cut off. Paul the Apostle said this, and you just got to know this. This is about starting strong and ending strong. How many want to end strong? I said, how many want to end strong? Some of you, you're a fire now, but the true test to your character is talk to me 20 years from now. Talk to me 10 years from now. Talk to me after you got a job. After you got, yeah, that's a, that's a good preaching moment right there. Some of you are stressed out and you didn't have a job yet. After you get a job, after you get married, after the trials, do you bail out or do you stick through? Look at what Paul the Apostle said. I, I am ready being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Look at what he says. I have fought the good fight. He's in jail when he's writing this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now watch, 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 watch. Finally, because I kept the faith and I, didn't, and I started strong and I ended strong, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only me, but to all who love his appearing. Do you realize that one day Jesus is going to look at you eye to eye, and he's going to smile, and he's going to give you a crown of righteousness? Paul the Apostle at the end of his life, said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Look at me. Do you know how many Christians cannot say that at the end of their life? Do you know how many Christians, they got saved at 20 years old, and now they're 60-something years old, and they cannot say that statement? And then, and then Paul the Apostle says this. He says, finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. A reward for starting strong and ending strong. Can I say this, those of you who are looking at me like, well, that's a little hard. You don't expect anything different from your marriage. Yet, yet, you, you, yet you think that it's hard preaching when it's the Lord saying it through a preacher. You that are married do not desire for your marriage to start strong and end up weak. You desire to start strong and as a matter of fact, desire to be more in love at the end of your life. Got three amens. <laughs> Paul the Apostle's declaration that, watch this, I finished the race, is a prophetic declaration of what God talked about Josiah. Josiah said, that man, he did not veer to the left or to the right all of his life. Listen, not just some of his life, 
all of his life. Yes, he had weakness. Yes, he had doubt. But at the end of the day, he came back to the Lord. I, I, I just want to encourage you that it's in our heart to be able to start strong and finish strong. Because listen, I could be playing basketball with Michael Jordan or, or whoever you guys want to call it and be winning maybe like one to nothing. And everyone's like, oh, my God, PG scored, scored a point. That's not how I start, though. If he comes back and, and, and scores like 11 more points on me, no one's going to remember Pastor George. They're actually going to say, well, he probably just left you. My goal for you is this. We have a lot of strong finishers, but examine yourself. Check yourself. Check yourself. And see if you are walking with the Lord. Come on, say check yourself before you wreck yourself. The second thing, the third thing that I want to do, uh, want to share with you about Josiah, a principle, is that Josiah became a revivalist nationwide because he, listen, he chose to seek God on his own and not ride the coattails of his parents or of other people's relationships. The Bible says when he was 16 years old, watch this, he began to seek the God of his fathers. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach in the last couple of minutes here. In other words, it wasn't until after Josiah, watch this, started seeking God that his ministry assignment, his business assignment, his assignment that God gave him started flourishing. We have a lot of people that are in ministry assignments or business assignments that are trying so hard to succeed with their giftings, and that's great. But the hidden recipe, oh my, my, the hidden recipe of success is when you take out time out of your skill set and out of your gifting and purposely pursue hard after God. That pursuit will cause you to be successful in every area. Now, I'm gonna, I know this sounds simplistic, but I'm going to give you some scriptures. Yes, we need our giftings. Yes, we need our skill set. But the Bible says at age 16, now, now notice, notice something. Here's a revelation. He, was, he, was, he did nothing of, of great significance as when he was only king. There's a lot of people that are anointed for ministry, but they're not doing anything because they're not really seeking God. They're, in a, they're, they're seeking a position. But here's the thing. When the Bible says Josiah started seeking God, what did he say? It says that he began after he sought God to purge the, the, the idols and the, the things. And, and, and watch this, watch this. There's a hidden recipe that God has for us today. And I want to give you some scriptures because of time. And it, uh, because, because of time, I'm going to give you some, some scripture. That means, listen, the businessman, all of us, no matter who we're called to, we are called to get away and pursue God because pursuing God is the hidden recipe for success. I'm going to show you that if you're a businessman, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're, watch this, watch, you're a greeter or an usher in your church, not just for the pastor or the intercessor. We are all called to take away time and seek God for ourselves. That means even in your busy schedule, you have to find time in your home that you whip out the Bible and begin to pursue God on your own without riding the coattails of your pastor, your leader, your friend, or your parents. We got a lot of young people that are going to church only because their parents are going to church. We got a lot of people pursuing God because their friends are there. Well, if their friends are not there and if your, if your parents don't wake up, do you still search for God? 
Can I just be really real with you? Do you guys give me permission? If we didn't have a lot of cool people in the youth group, would you still go to church? If you didn't have your cool friends in the youth ministry, which we have a powerful youth ministry, will you still seek God? How about if they move away? Does your Oh, I'm going to preach good here. Does your walk with God suffer because you no longer have your best friends that were holding you accountable? Now, that's so important. But we don't serve them. We serve the Lord. There's a problem when teenagers backslide because the fiery friend is no longer in their life. It's important to have fiery friends, but we become, we've, we've made fiery friends our crutch instead of God. We depend on our good Christian friends more than we do God. And when our good Christian friends are not there, we get depressed. We stop coming to church. We stop believing God. Here's a recipe. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it I'm gonna throw it like 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 popcorn to you. Ready? Some some examples for the recipe of success. Psalm 34:10. Look it up there on your screen. You could just write it down. Watch this. I want you guys to take notes on this. Psalm not 34:10. Look at the hidden the hidden uh, patterns here. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord now this is a little radical for some of you guys because you guys don't believe this shall not lack any good thing. Oh, come on, Pastor George. You, you, are you talking about that all we got to do is seek God and, 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 and you will not lack good thing? No, yes, you could have other things, but those are secondary, not primary. The young lions lack, watch this, but those who, watch this, notice that it didn't say, but those who are on stage, those who fulfill their ministry assignment. Those who, who get their satisfaction by being on a stage or, 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 or having a mic. or go, Those who get their satisfaction by doing their passions. He didn't say that. He didn't say those who get their, their, their satisfaction by doing what they love to do. Yes, do what you love to do, but you're still going to lack good things. He said those who seek the Lord. Don't make me preach here, good. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. It didn't say your ministry assignment, which is good. He said in his presence is fullness of joy. Watch this. Here's another one. And by the way, here's another one. Go to, go to uh, whatever I said there to you. Second Chronicles 26, real quick, a man by the name of Uzziah. Watch the pattern. Watch the pattern. Watch the pattern for success. Look, look at me. Look at me. How many want to be successful? That was 10 of you. Okay, great. The rest of you, I'll pray for you. How many want to be successful? Truly, it's good to be successful. But maybe we've defined success only in the culture of our day. Maybe we've only defined success as only having money. That's part of having success, but you're still going to lack peace. If you, you can still lack peace if you have a lot of money. You could still lack joy if you have a lot of money. But when you got a lot of presents, you don't have to have the money, and you got a lot of other things. You got peace of mind, you got joy, you got a smile on your face. Uzziah, ooh, there was another, here's another one. Here's a little pattern here, a little prophetic foreshadow. Was also 16 years old. Come on, teenagers, young adults. Get ready, young adults. Get ready, teenagers. I have a word for you. I have a word for you. At the end, I want you to hear me. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years. We're going to skip. We're going to have, uh, we're going to do some things here. Watch this. 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. 
Okay? Now keep on, keep on going. Look at verse, verse 2. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to his father Amaziah had done. Look at the secret. Look at the secret to success. Please hear me. Follow me. Look at verse, look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. And he sought. Everybody say sought. God in the days of Zechariah who understood visions of God. Are you ready to shout with me? And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Young lions lack, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. God made him to prosper. Now, we like to spiritualize that and say, well, he's not only talking about financial prosperity. I looked up the word prosper because I knew you were going to ask me that. So the Bible, in, in, that, in that chapter, it says that as long, watch this. Ooh, this is so good. I feel like shouting right now. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him. Whew. God made him. Not man made him. God made him to prosper. Now, what is prosper? Are you ready? Here's the, here's the Hebrew word for prosper. To advance, to make progress. To succeed. God made him to progress. God made him to succeed, to advance. It's not just in spiritual things. It's in his kingdom, a physical kingdom, in his home, in his business. Right? Right? right. Watch this. He sought God. He made him to prosper. Prosper means to succeed, to be profitable, ready, and yes, to experience prosperity. We don't like to preach that now. That means in ministry. In jobs, in endeavors, in health, in your finances, all come from seeking God. Now watch. I, I, I need, in, in about a minute or two, I need the worship team to come up here. In as much as success comes from and prosperity. Oh, man, I'm going to say something that. If you know, when you're seeking God, when you're seeking God, and God confirms your assignment, most of the time, the assignment that God has you in will bring in the prosperity. If you stay in your lane, what God has called you to do, whatever it is, whether it's a construction worker, whether it's a, a, a businessman, whatever God has, has called you to do, and you find that, I started getting desperate years ago for extra money, and I started getting out of my lane and doing stuff to try to sell things to people. And my wife goes, you're the most horrible bu- uh, salesperson in the, in the, in the world. And I, try to, and I try to invite people to lunch, like, hey, how you doing? And they don't know I'm passionate. Hey, listen, I want to I tell you a product. And I'm, like, and I'm like, I'm not really good at this. I was trying to become someone I wasn't, and then I failed miserably. Now, now some people are excellent salespeople. That's for you. When you stay in your lane, God is going to prosper you. But when you seek God, he's going to give you that area where you could prosper. Succeed. Listen to me. Listen to me. Look, look at me. Look at me. In as much as the recipe for success is to seek God, hear me now, the recipe for failure was when you stopped seeking him. Come up, come up here, worship team. You can worship team. Look at that same, that, same, that same story. Now, just to give you a little history, are you getting something this morning? The story of Josiah is broken down in two places. And the story of, the story of, of Uzziah is broken down in two places. All right? In 2 Kings and it's also in 2 Chronicles. Okay? So there's, there's, but there's different stories. Now, I want you to look at verse, 20, uh, verse 16 about this guy Uzziah. That the Bible says, look at me, the Bible says that you, that the Bible says that Uzziah searched for God in verse 16 in the NLT. Look what it says. Please hear me. This is good. 
Are you following along? Verse 16. But when Uzziah had become powerful. Look at me, guys. This is the danger of letting success stop you from seeking God. When he became powerful, he also became what? Which led to his downfall. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's not talking about a different person here. He was talking about the same. God didn't bump his head and talk about a different person. He's still talking about the guy who sought God at 16. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And then a couple of verses down the road, and you skip a lot of his life. When he got successful, he forgot to seek God, and he became prideful. Here's, here's the thing. If success is seeking God, then lack of success is not seeking God. Now you say, that's super simple, but look what happened to Uzziah. Uzziah got to the point that he was so successful, so filled with favor, that he said, I could take it easy. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to let my business do the work for me, be my success for me. I'm going to let my platform be my success for me. I'm going to let my hard work be my success instead of seeking God. And all of a sudden, the person that used to seek God in the morning and God gave him favor, now that he has everything that he's desired, now he takes a break and doesn't seek God anymore. And pride started coming in. There's a dangerous place when God, not the devil, when God brings you success because of your early days of seeking God, and then you don't know how to sustain that with the success that you have. That's why so many people, when they get rich really quick, they get all this money and they become bankrupt a couple years later because they have, they've never handled that much money. When you get blessed because you're seeking God, you need to keep seeking God. Don't only seek God when you're in trouble. Don't only seek God when the rain is falling and you say, oh, God, now, thank you. Now it's time to get on my knees. No, no, no. When things are blessed, stay humble and say, thank you, Lord. I lift up my hands because you are good. Continue to have the same devotions that you did when you had nothing. Your devotional life should not change because you're more successful. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Actually, you're, you're, pretty, you're saying amen pretty good actually today. You're saying amen pretty good today. And by the way, listen, please, please give me about five, seven minutes because I have a prophetic word I want to release. Every young person, every young adult, look at me. By the way, Josiah and Uzziah also had a common denominator about their stories. Not only did Josiah, Josiah did not veer to the left or to the right, did not give in to compromise, not only did he start strong and finish strong, but both Josiah and Uzziah, even though Uzziah messed up at the end, all were successful and were revivalists when they were 16 years old. When they were young, I want to talk to the young people this morning. I want to talk to the young adults this morning. Don't ever think that you have to wait until you're 40 years old and, and waste out all your fun in order for you to begin to seek God. If Uzziah and Josiah could transform a nation at 16 years old, and at, at 16 years old he began to seek the God of his youth, and at 20 years old Josiah began to purge out the idols. 
I want to challenge every young person and every young adult that your season is not three years from now. Don't wait for a pastor or a leader to affirm you to begin to seek God. I challenge you to consecrate yourself, to begin to seek God with all your heart. I, I, I challenge you to, to not be fascinated by this culture and be fascinated by the beauty of God. And I dare to tell you that at 16, at 17, at 18, at 12, you can start seeing visions and you can start changing the culture, even of your family. Oh, see, because some of us, we don't want holy kids. We want good kids. Because holy kids will convict us. Good kids will just let us do what we want. But when God raises holy kids, mom, should we be watching that? Dad, should we be watching that? And it's like... Or you have a, you, you have a, 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 someone said, uh, someone in our congregation, I read it on Facebook, said that, that they, they came in and saw Facebook so I can say it. They came in and they, they had an a, a issue with, with uh, somebody uh, messing with their kid. I don't know if you're like me, but Papa Bear comes out, Mama Bear comes out. When someone messes with your kids, your Christianity is tested. Glory to God. Like, I'm going to go up there and become street up on these, up on these, up on these, these teenagers right here. He said, you slap my kid? Oh, get ready. And then it's the kid that got slapped that usually convicts the parents not to do it. And I read on Facebook where this, where this, this girl, she's you know, getting upset because she found out that some, some kids were bullying her, her, uh, uh, the, her son. And she was going to be like, okay, that's it. I'm going to let him have it. I've been there. How many have been there before? Just wait till I talk to their parents. I'm going to let them know what, what's, what's really bullying like, right? Well, he, she gave a story where she picked up her son. And she was already kind of upset because, you know, she wanted to deal with the problem. And the son goes, hey, mommy, me and so-and-so are friends now. She's like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, why are you friends? Don't you, know, don't you remember? We, this is don't you remember what we did? What he did to you? He goes, no. Watch, watch the simplicity of a child. Mommy, he messed up. He was going through a hard time. And he, forg- he asked for forgiveness. So I forgave him just like that. But, but, but don't you remember what he did? No, mommy. I forgave him. And so it's done. We're friends now. See, holy kids will convict even the parents. I remember, I'm gonna, I want, it's confession time now. It, this wasn't in my notes. This is for free. This is, this is right, for free right here. I remember renting a movie. You know, we, we, it, me, those who know me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, well, watch what I watch, watch this. I'm talking about the young people here, what God is going to do in the young people. God is going to mark young adults and youth today. I remember renting a movie, won't, uh, it was about a year ago, won't, won't mention the movie. I'm a stickler. I, I watch what I watch. You know, I watch what, what was going on. And so one time, so we watched this movie. It was like uh, this, anyways, I won't say it. Watch this movie. Hey, PG-13 is good. The whole entire time, every 10 minutes, it was reference of selling your soul to darkness, selling your soul. And it was like a superhero movie. I'm like, maybe it's just, you know how we convince ourselves, right? Maybe it's just, maybe it's just for five minutes and then that's it. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it go. And my, my, literally my kids are like, you gonna do something? Like, I'm like, oh, just wait, I mean, you know, because I'm like, I paid for this movie. So we're like, okay, 10 minutes later, and then the darkness will come, and then you have to, the more you give in to darkness, the more power I have. And, and it's all this demonic reverence, and then, yeah, and then blah, 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 the, 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 the prince of darkness it gives me the powers, and all, no lie, guys, no lie. And I'm feeling all uncomfortable. I'm talking about holy kids. Josiah was. I feel the Holy Ghost. Josiah was 16 years old when he started to change an entire nation. Don't tell me that God can't use young people. All of a sudden, my son Jaden turns to me. He goes, Daddy, 
I have a funny feeling in my stomach. And I'm telling you, my, it was like a sword going, pay attention, dummy. And I go, that's the Holy Spirit, son. He goes, I feel funny. I don't want to watch this movie anymore. And I felt so convicted. I turned it off. I go, you're right, son. It's my fault. I should have I stopped it a long time ago. But it took my son to say, I feel something funny in my stomach. That was the Holy Spirit being grieved inside of him. And I turned it off. I apologized. I repented my kids. And I turned the movie back to Redbox. Why? Because spiritual Josiahs are being raised on the earth right now. Spiritual Josiahs are being raised on the earth. And I don't have time. But you know what spiritual Josiahs did? You know what actual Josiah did? Josiah, actually, the Bible says that there was such a time and such a ruin in Josiah's day. Please hear me now. Please hear me. I'm, I'm closing with this. That for years, because of a godless culture, the Bible says that the, 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 the temple of God was in ruins. That means, that means it was all in shambles. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that idols um, were not just in the land. But because the temple was neglected, the word of God was neglected for so many years. Idols started, watch this, watch this, started being growing, not in the land, in the temple of God. In the house of God where there was used to be worship, there were statues of Baal in the house of God. Are you ready for this? Whenever there is an absence of the word of God, idolatry comes to the place of worship. While you're worshiping Jesus, we worship then the stage, and we worship a position, and we worship the, 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 the mantle. We worship a gifting. Look at this real quick, and then I'm going to close. Oh, how many feel the Lord? Look at 2 Kings. Look at 2 Kings 22. Really quick. This is the last one. 2 Kings 22. My God. Raise up spiritual Josiahs, Lord. Come on. How many want to be spiritual Josiahs? That start off good, end up good, and do not give in to the compromise of the, uh, of the day. Have you begun, have you sought to be relevant to the culture that you have unknowingly been irrelevant to the kingdom? Have you been seeking to reach people for Christ all in the name of reaching them at their level that you have stopped being relevant to the kingdom of God? Ready? Ready for this? Second Kings. This is my last scripture. I want you to see what Josiah did because God is raising people like this right now in this age that will expose and recognize idolatry in the church. Not just in the land. Two weeks ago, I talked about Gideon going back to his house, exposing idolatry in his family. Now I'm telling you that there's a second, there's a second wave coming. And spiritual Josiahs now don't just do it in their home. They do it in the church. Watch this. Watch this. Then Hilkah the high priest. We're going to go 8, then 10, 11, then 13. Okay? Then Hilkah the high priest told Shaphan the scribe, follow me. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Think, think about the law being, being, the book of the law, which is the word of God, being lost and not written and not read for years in the house of God. It's just lost. It's just lost. The house of God was in ruins, so they were coming to repair the house of the Lord. And Hilkah gave the book to Shaphan to read it. Look at verse 10. Go quickly with me. Shaphan the scribe showed king, saying, 
Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. He's saying this to Josiah. And Shaphan read it before Josiah the king. Josiah. It happened when king, the king heard his, the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. If I had more time, I could prophetically preach on that right now because he reacted to what God loves and re, he reacted to what God hates. If we're going to be Josiahs of the modern day, we got to love what he loves and we got to hate what God hates. He tore his clothes because of what was written in the book. Now look at, look at, verse, uh, look at verse 10 through 11 there. Go inquire of the Lord for me. Verse 13, sorry. Go inquire for the Lord for me, for the people and all of Judah concerning the words of this book. He's, he's, Josiah's like, you found a book of the law? Could you interpret it for me? Because I'm not, it's been years since we read the book in the house of the Lord. My gosh. It's been years that we preached the full gospel in the church of God, in the temple. It's been years since the undefiled word of God has been preached in the house of the Lord. Could you tell me what this book means? That's what he's saying, right? Now look at chapter 23. Flip the page or flip the, the button and look at the last the, chapter 23 and verse 4. Watch this. This is where I'm going to land tonight, today, this morning. Look at me. Look at me. You say, Pastor George, how do you know that there was idols in the temple of God? Where did you get that? Where did you get that? In verse 4. Watch this. And the king, Josiah, commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, the priest of the second order, and the doorkeeper to bring out of the temple of the Lord. Hello? The temple of the Lord. All the articles that were made for Baal. Are you kidding me? In the temple of the Lord that was sitting idols of other gods in the house of the Lord, in the church service. God, Josiah, was raised up to identify spiritual idolatry inside the church, inside the temple of God. And he said this, take the articles of the idols that are inside the house of the Lord, and I'm going to burn them. You know what modern day idols in the church are? Desire for platforms. Jeremiah Johnson, a friend of mine, he's a prophet, he's kind of rough, but he said something prophetically. He said, the platform ministry is as addicting as crack cocaine. In other words, there's so many people nowadays that they feel if they only get on stage, they've arrived. And they've successful. The idolatry of the church is not some statue. It's maybe a position. Maybe it's leadership. Maybe it's a gifting. Maybe it's thinking that you've arrived because you are some sort of leader. Now, praise God if God promotes you in that. But here's the problem. Don't worship Jesus and worship other gods at the same time in the temple of God. God is raising up spiritual Josiahs today. Watch this. Listen to me. That are young. And old, but he's also marking the young. The Lord told me in prayer this morning, he's putting an X and marking the teenagers and the young adults today. And I'm going to have a special call for those who desire to be spiritual Josiahs. And those of you who want to be spiritual Josiahs, what does that mean for you? That means you are uh, absolutely content as not veering to the left or to the right, no matter what happens to you or your family. And that you'll start off strong and you'll end strong. And what's the recipe of it all? Seeking the Lord. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And when he stopped seeking the Lord, 
he became proud and it became his downfall. Let's stand up before the Lord. Come on. I want us to right now ask us. And we're going to worship right now. And I'm going to ask you as we worship right now for you to make adjustments to say, Lord, I want to be a spiritual Josiah. Come on. I want to take the principles of Josiah and I want to be, a, a, I, I want to, listen, hear me. I don't want to be so relevant to the world and to the culture that I've become irrelevant to the kingdom of God. Ask yourself that. Uh, ask yourself, have I become so relevant to the culture in the name of reaching people that I've become irrelevant to the kingdom of God? Lift up your hands all over this room. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.